Hello and welcome back once again to The Movie Men. So this is our second podcast from Isolation and I'm joined like last week by Johnny Smith. How are you, Johnny? Uh, I'm very well, thank you, Cal. Very well. Had a good week. What have you spent the week doing? Uh, scratching my arse and scrolling through Netflix. Fantastic. Them's your specialties. And Mark Stack, <laughs> you were here last week? Yes. Hello, mate. Yeah. And what have you been doing in the intervening period? I've actually been working um, from home, which is... Tedious. It's yeah, tedious you're still itself. employed, which is more than can be I mean, said for every other movie man. Furloughed yeah, this good. man. It's good. It's good. Do you guys want some money? I've got some. I've Mark got some is money. desperate for a furloughing. Yeah, and, <laughs> I can take it. And back for his first appearance in a number of years. Ollie Britton, welcome. Hey, it's great to be back. Um, yeah. Admittedly, a larger, more bearded version. Yeah, your isolation beard is, is more fierce than the other three of us. Yeah, mine looks very sad. That's the weakest, actually. Yeah, Mark, yours is... I shaved last week. Yeah, Mark, you've, you've always been quite the patchy beard grower. Yeah. You know, you just go straight out. So, uh, we are continuing to work our way through our list of top 25 films to watch while you're in isolation. And this week, we're gonna, we have been watching Infernal Affairs, which is the film from 2002 set in Hong Kong, which was directed by Andrew Lau, and it was the film that inspired... Martin Scorsese to make The Departed. In fact, it's basically just a remake of Infernal Affairs, but quite a bit longer. So here's a little taste of Infernal Affairs for you all. 10 years ago, two friends became the best cadets on the force. Now, they're both out to uncover the traitor among them. So this film was recommended by Johnny. So Johnny, I'm going to start with yeah. you. Why did you recommend Infernal Affairs? Well, I mean, first of all, I thought it was called Internal Affairs for the I last 10, 15 years. It's quite boring. Until lots I... more admin. Lots more <laughs> filing. Yeah. So, um, well, I think because obviously we all know The Departed and uh, it won Martin Scorsese and Oscar. So it kind of felt good to watch the original, you know, and everyone always says, oh, well, it's not, you know, The Departed's not as good as Infernal Affairs. So it's on Netflix. Let's give it a whirl and uh, see if it lives up to the hype, really. So, Ollie Britton, let's dive in with you on your return to the pod. So did it live up to the hype? I mean, I, like you, I think a lot of people here hadn't seen The Departed for, for a fair few years, but I just know in my head, like, oh, it's a great film. You know, when I think of The Departed, the first thing I think is, it's, you know, there's, there's kind of Boston accents. Yeah, The Departed, you know, or how, how the hell... <laughs> the Departed. Yeah, The Departed. Or, um, or even a Boston accent. That's the, yeah, exactly, or a, or a Boston accent, if, 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 <laughs> if you will. Um, and, uh, but I just kind of knew that it's amazing, and I have to say, I don't want to be that guy, but I don't think this was as good for me, and I don't know if that's because you know the world that we know in terms of Hollywood stars whereas watching this I didn't know anyone and I, I don't I like to think that didn't play into it but perhaps it did I don't know I'll, also... I'll go to Mark because Mark I know is going to defend the other side and say it's a great film so now the, the the difference between this film and The Departed as you said last night Mark is about 50 minutes and about 90 million pounds <laughs> yeah true and, and a few years as well there was a change in well yeah. it's not that many years maybe four years three or four years but um Th that definitely fed into the difference in the two films, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what the departed. I think if you watch the film, there's um, a few bits like we spoke about a few um, weird relationships that weren't developed and stuff like that, and they're really developed. We'll in get the onto that later. Um, 
and yeah I think the the premise and stuff is what why the departed was ma- was made because it's a really fun premise it's like you know it, there's so many tense bit right at the start from the start it's tense um you're trying to work out they're each trying to work each other out they get so close to each other same as in the departed and it's 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 fun it's really good um it's really enjoyable um it's a bit messy at times um it's like i felt like it was directed by seven different people like (laughs) at at times i was like this is so different to what just happened in terms of like the style um but it was cool i think it was i don't know anything about it or the director or anything um i haven't like researched it past just watching it because i thought i wouldn't research it before watching it and really enjoyed it so Mm -hmm. um if it felt a bit messy it felt a bit like a debut or something not it not necessarily that it was but it was really fun Really I'm, fun. Yeah, I'm not here to give my opinion particularly, but just for the purpose of the balance, I think that if you do take the two films, and inevitably this intro, we were obviously going to talk about both films, but from now on, we'll try and keep it just as much to mm-hmm. Infernal Affairs as we can. Maybe the odd bit of point of comparison. But the two films have their own strengths and their own weaknesses, which will come through in this chat, um, in terms of where I think in some elements Infernal Affairs was better than Departed. I, th- I think obviously you have to give it the kudos for the fact that it was the film that had the storyline before yeah. The Departed did. So mm-hmm. it's got that working for it. But also there was definitely great moments of suspense and tension <laughs> that were built in. But anyway, we'll, we'll go on to them. So that was just a little brief overview of it. So first off, I just want to talk about the opening. It was, it was such a breathless opening. We had this with Man on Fire last week. <laughs> but Ollie, you said it was like a trailer, that intro. Yeah, it literally, it felt like I was watching the trailer for the film and it's just so strange because it's like if you bought a book and then the first chapter was like a must-have on your bookshelf. Absolute page. <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, I know. I've, I mean, I've, I've got it. Let's do it. Let's get into it. So it was strange. I was like, is it the trailer? It was just jumping around and just the feel of it, the aesthetic, you know, like saying, out, you know, like it was like laying out these are the characters, you know, this is their relationship. This is where they've come from. But in a very quick way. Um, but at the same time, that obviously, that really filters in into the end. So at, at the end of the film, I'm like, okay, now the beginning makes more sense. But it was definitely unusual to digest at first. Yeah, and Johnny, in terms of that sort of packing that in, that backstory into that opening, I mean, it's only a few minutes into the film by the time we get to the two main characters are older and they're 10 years into their careers. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, I'd agree with that, that, it sort of is this really breathless opening sort of 15, 20 minutes. And I have to say, I was slightly bewildered by quite who was who and what was going on, because obviously they're, you know, they're cadets in the academy and then they're suddenly old and a bit haggard and, you know, they're in the police and they're in this uh, criminal gang. And so it kind of, you know, we're talking about Man on Fire last week, takes sort of, you know, 45 minutes of getting into Denzel Washington's character, building this relationship between him and the kid. Whereas this was very much like, fuck that, we've got 15 minutes, montage the shit out of this. You know, whiz through 10 years of their lives, go into a, you know, music shop, buy a stereo, and then they're, you know, in the police and gangs. and, And all the, you know, all the tension and enjoyment comes. So... I think it, you know, it bewilders you to start with, but then actually, once you get into it and you sort of it calms down, you just really, you know, that sort of groundwork actually, you know, lets it just sort of run its course, and you get into the, you know, the sort of tension of the situation. 
Yeah, Johnny's touched on those montages there, Mark. <laughs> I was half expecting a bit of Hall and Oates every once in a while. Just some, <laughs> some guys just cracking into it. Yeah, it was weird. It was weird at times, but like like we said, I think a lot of that was trying to tell a really complicated story. You know, doing a, a, a ninety minute film with not a massive budget, and the, it is a complicated st- story. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a way to do it. Loads of films do it. Like you know, it's yeah. not like a Marvel film will do that. It's, there's nothing wrong with doing it. Yeah. It didn't look amazing, but I, th- I think that's probably um, more of of the time. Again, it's like um, like last week, I think it's more of the film of the time. I don't think it's necessarily mm-hmm. it was you know a bad decision at the time. Um, montages work at times, and I think that's a decision they had to make. The only thing that confuses me a bit is right at the start. Yeah. The, the the only actor that's the same is the main gangster right which oh, yeah. just throws you completely with dyed hair with dyed black hair instead of bleach blonde hair well let's talk, like let's talk about him because johnny you said he reminded you of, of keith chegwin <laughs> yeah um, once, once you, you can't see once you see cheggers you can't unsee cheggers <laughs> yeah thanks yeah. johnny that's a classic that's a classic moral a life moral that to go by once you see cheggers you can't unsee cheggers but yeah, um, and if anyone's no, seen I, Naked Jungle Run what has been seen can't be seen he's such an un, um, scary you know kingpin gangster um, yeah like, I feel Which, we're hammering the. We are. We have definitely started with the, with the bad points of the film, which is fine. We can start with. Yeah. But he he was no Jack Nicholson in terms of his. Uh, no. In terms of his, yeah, demeanor and his manner, he just he was a strange bit of casting. I found. Yeah, bit, I think so. It was it was very broad performance. Ollie, as the man for a broad performance. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He's kidding. Yeah, I don't think I could have done a better job. Uh, and now I know where I'll be going for my uh, next character work Um, yeah but again this is the thing I I wonder how much of this is you know the influence of like I don't know in terms of like I'll be honest this is probably like the first you know piece of Hong Kong cinema I've seen people people think we know what we're talking about you're making us like a bunch of knobs the fourth one smashed the illusion Um, and so I, I do wonder if you know if we watched you know maybe that guy's a huge star and people are like, oh my god, it's him! In, in the same way that we looked at Jack Nicholson. Uh, I don't know; it's hard to say. But yeah. as the actor in the room, Ollie, what about the two leads? Right. So the two leads are Andy Lau and Tony Leung, uh, who play the counterparts. So in the Departed, those are the two roles filled by Leonardo DiCaprio and Matt Damon. Um, so Tony Leung, aka Manny Pacquiao, he plays <laughs> he plays the Leo character. Um, let's start with him. What did you think of his his role in this film? Who me? Yeah, you're the actor. <laughs> I think those two were that was two of the strongest castings. Like you believe their yeah. chemistry, you know you could believe. The chemistry, you could, yeah, I mean, I love the you know they gave him a beard and his hair was a bit more lanky. It's like oh, he's now like chiselled like ten years undercover. But but you believe all that, and certainly the chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, I think they, I think those two did a great job. And again, you, you worry how much you can really get the you know with with the language barrier that there's going to be nuance that you're not going to pick up. And so I think taking that into account. Two great performances, and that's some of the best. The best part of the film, really, is is the, is the acting from those two. I think. Well, we're into the strengths of the film now, big time, because I thought, yeah, the, the actors, the the two leads, were very strong in their roles. Did did it did did a brilliant job. But also, I want to talk about one scene in particular, which predominantly features those two. It's the crux of the movie, the rooftop scene. Now, it felt to me like there was a huge spaghetti western influence mm. in that scene, and the the way that was put together. The intensity of that scene and, and the suspense was was stronger than anything personally I found when I watched The Departed a few years ago. 
Does anyone want to jump in on that and, and, and agree or disagree on yeah. that point? Yeah, I will. They, I really like that bit. Um, I was actually a bit behind you on the viewing and you'd put Western and as soon as it shot, I was like, oh, this is exactly mm. the bit they're talking about. It was such a, it was a really cool shot, the New York's, yeah. uh, the Hong Kong uh, skyline, sorry, which was like really cool. The, the camera spin, the, the Mexican standoff style. It, it was wicked. It was really good. It was really tense. There's a lot, the film did sort of those tense scenes where they're, you know, at the start when he's doing Morse code and when he's in the cinema and things like that, they did those scenes like incredibly well. And they were really, really fun to watch all of those scenes. It was like, what's going on? What's going to happen here? So it was really good. Really like the Western style. Um, yeah, it was great. That was a great scene. Well, Johnny, um, Ollie actually made this point last night when he said that the film jumps from the mundane to the intense seamlessly. Was that something that you found when you were watching it? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's a definitely a, a, a really good point. And um, it's sort of, I think the great thing about it is obviously if you've seen The Departed, you know, you've got an idea of where it goes. But I think, mm. you know, when you look at it on fresh eyes and, you, and you're and not aware of, you know, the sort of plot and the climax, you really have no idea where it's going to end up. And, you know, your sort of sympathies are, are drawn between these two characters and, and the sort of, you know, moral ambiguity sort of permeates the whole thing. And so you're kind of never quite sure who you should be rooting for in a sense, and you're never quite sure who's going to come out on top and, you know, where the sort of moral victory will lie. And, uh, you know, it maintains that all the way to the very, very end of the film. And I think, you know, that's one of its big strengths that it does keep you keep you on your toes and keep you guessing. Mm. Now back to a weakness because they're more fun to talk about. The soundtrack. <laughs> we talked about the soundtrack on uh, Man on Fire last week, Mark. I think you described it as schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Now... This was there was the, there was some strange music choices. Everything seemed very on the nose to me. No subtlety to the music. That was my opinion anyway. Did... Yeah, I'd, I would agree with you on that. Um, it was like you say, there was no subtlety. There was no like nuance. But um, it was kind of it was kind of funny. I, do you know what? I think a lot of it also doesn't take itself too seriously. I thought there were some really quite funny bits. The two like the two sort of. Um, Gangsters. What well, one of them is called Del Piero. They were like always had quite a funny little. <laughs> they had quite a funny little relationship. And like I know something happens to them later on. Whatever. I'm not going to spoil it. But um, it, there was always that idea of it being a little bit funny as well. I think. And I think that was. I think that was definitely on purpose. There, it wasn't. That wasn't like us thinking it was funny. It was. It was clever. It was cool. And I think you got that with a lot of the. Um, a lot of the characters. I think the music might have been intentionally like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but um, I thought it was kind of funny at times, and I thought I thought it took a little bit of same as I don't want to bring it back to it, but same as the Departed has some funny moments in it, and I think I think it definitely drew from that. Ollie, you said something about you said something to do with the soundtrack as well. I can't remember what it was though. Oh yeah, I've, I've got it here. It's Ron Ron Burgundy's jazz flute underneath the big <laughs> so house beat. Yeah, it was <laughs> that, very that really got me. That jazz flute came out of nowhere. <laughs> You had lots of the the thumping, kind of like the Limp Biscuit, like Rocky, the big beast. Then at one point, I can't remember which bit it was. It was quite serious, <laughs> but then it's like, it's like Ron Berkeley's like, oh, I'm not prepared to start jazz flute. But 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 I like to think. But it's funny what you said, Mark, about maybe they're doing that on purpose. And I think, I mean, 
perhaps the sound editor was just having fun with it. You know, like it's this story that's racing through. It's a high pace, high intensity. You know, and also the whole the whole plot is about. It's supposed to be really confusing, right? You don't know who's yeah. playing on what team. Maybe the sound is meant to be part. Of the soundscape <laughs> is as confusing as the plot is. Maybe there's um, a poetic symmetry there. I don't know. Maybe we're giving it too much credit, but definitely enjoyable. Something you mentioned last night, Mark, and I agreed with was that the part is maybe a bit overly long. Mm-hmm. And th- but this felt a little bit. Some of the storylines felt a little bit underdeveloped. Yeah. In this, I mean, there's there's the love story with his psych- psychologist. She's in two scenes. Yeah. And then and then and then, <laughs> and then it pops up as well that he had She's a kid two with some woman. Yeah. Yeah. And she just pops up what like for one scene. You can give it so much credit from the Departed in terms of all of those major scenes in the Departed were the same as they were in this film. Yes. The yes. cinema, yeah. the lift, um, the roof, the industrial building. And the fact that Scorsese has done that um, can only, you can you can only take positives from that and just think, yeah, that's a, that's a great film. This is one of the, the strongest elements of The Departed are the strongest elements of this film. And it, exactly. it, that is their influence. Whereas, so with The Departed's taken like the, the limitations of this film and expanded on them. So it's kind of like, you know, stylistically, if you're into this kind of film, then mm. you would prefer this kind of film. I don't I actually think there's kind of a fag paper between them really. Yeah. I'd say I leaned more towards the departed, maybe because I'm inculcated a little bit more in that Western style of filmmaking. And as you pointed out, Ollie, in terms of the leads and, and that familiarity with those guys and maybe the mu- I, the soundtrack was incomparably better. Uh, <laughs> that's just that's just a fact. Um, so just like we did last week with Man on Fire where we looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score and said, is this film under or overrated? Infernal Affairs, I'll tell you now, has a 94% rating Whoa. on Rotten Tomatoes. Johnny Smith, I'm coming to you. You're in- inhaling with purpose. I think oh, I think it's going to have to be overrated, isn't it? Which sounds a bit sacrilegious to say that, but I mean, it is a, it is a good film. It is a really enjoyable film, and I think it's as we sort of said, it's a lot of fun and it doesn't take itself that seriously, especially when you look at like Man on Fire last week is a very serious film in a lot of ways, you know, and it has quite a a sort of, you know, heavy tone to it. Whereas this is quite light. It's quite fun. You know, it, it keeps you entertained and interested. So I don't know, maybe I've talked myself into saying maybe it's not overrated, but I mean, obviously when you're into the nineties, you are really, you know, putting yourself in the pantheon, not yeah, the Denzel really? Pantheon, a different Pantheon. <laughs> Ollie Britton? Yeah, I think it's overrated. You know, that, that, that's my gut feeling. You know, maybe the film buffs are going to have a go, but in terms of my <laughs> feeling... Film buffs. Always yeah. on your back, aren't they, mate? How dare they? Who's this beardy wanker in this <laughs> thing? <laughs> the knives are out. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I think it's 90, you know, 94%. That's, I mean, that's, 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 yeah. that's a landslide. So probably slightly overrated... <laughs> Marky Mark um, 94 for me is like Goodfellas and City of God so um, I think it's probably slightly high but as I did a film degree I can't possibly say that so I'm going to say it's un- I'm going to say it's underrated <laughs> just because it's got subtitles no I'm joking it's re- it was really good but um, 94 is very high if it's got subtitles it gets below I mean, 95% marks yeah, exactly. but I would I would uh, I highly recommend it to anyone it's, it's wicked it's really yeah enjoyable. it's great and it's very it's very fluid you know it's only like yeah. what an hour and 40 minutes it's, hour and 40, it, it's, yeah. it's a very sprightly it film by. it does yeah, fly it's by re- it's really think, really good so everyone I think watch one it. thing I think one thing that we do have to bear in mind is that when this film came out in 2002 and the, the Departed hadn't been out 
and we hadn't seen that and we didn't yeah. know what the storyline was yeah and I think watching it have knowing because that is the strength of both films that is why it's so good yeah it's that storyline and when you have that stripped away a little bit and you're like well I know what's going to happen here yada 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 it is inevitably going to impact your viewing and I think if we watched this in 2002 we'd have just been blown away by that storyline the ending the way things were put together and we wouldn't have that point of comparison mm. for that admittedly also brilliant western film that was made um, so yeah that's why I think it suffers in comparison The Departed interestingly 90, 91% yeah so uh, very similar if I could sing the praises then because I feel I've been quite critical because I hadn't seen Departed for so long and, and maybe even just because the film was so good I was still surprised at the end and shocked yeah, yeah. I was like oh shit what has happened and when it was so tense, like, it was it was really tense. Well, there were differences. There were differences. I found myself early on thinking, certainly with that intro that I think I said last night, it was it was like it was like watching that '90s piracy warning <laughs> at the beginning yeah. of a DVD. Yeah. Like you wouldn't steal a TV. Well, some people would steal a TV, but yeah. in fact, some of the characters in this would steal a TV. But it felt like watching that a little bit dizzying. And the first sort of ten fifteen, it's kind of like how I felt with Man on Fire. The first ten fifteen minutes, I was a bit like. All right, okay, well, not too impressed so far, but as it went on, just got so engrossed. Can you put in the um, put in that piracy video bit, the audio of that in that? Yeah. <laughs> so everyone can hear it. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's like a non-romantic Romeo and Juliet, you know, like the twists and turns at the end. It's it's. Sorry, I thought yeah. you meant I thought you meant the nineties <laughs> piracy thing. <laughs> so much so, depth. Is Infernal Affairs done and dusted? If you don't like our review, then suck it. We don't care. Um, so, but in isolation, the fact is everyone has been slaying Netflix as we have been, and there's one show in particular that people have been loving. I don't haven't watched it, so I don't even know what it's called. But um, I've been hustling and doing it. It's the one about the Tiger guy, Tiger King, Tiger, <coughs> tiger King. King. Yeah, so it's, the it's Tiger, so the Tiger thing with that guy. So. Yeah. Um, that apparently it's been optioned for uh, a TV show. And let's ah, talk okay. about a film. Let's talk about a film as well. It'll so, be an excellent film. There's so much happens. Yeah. yeah. So the question I'm going to pose to you guys is, who would you choose to play said Tiger Guy? I think Joe I know Exotic. his name is Joe Exotic. Yeah, yeah, it is, I, yeah. I, did, I did read that, that was his name. I just forgot the name of the show. Uh, so who in the world would you choose to play this utter maniac? I'm going to start with, I'm going to start with Ollie Britton. And it can't be you. I know you're short of work in the morning. <laughs> you can do I was it, doing fine before this virus, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> do you know what? I do actually have two now, but it's going to be well, the man are. with both the cinematic credentials. He's won an Oscar. He's also insane and could do anything. Nick Cage. Oh, <laughs> He's come for Nick Cage. <laughs> that is so good. That is rogue. It's not a bad shout. It's no. actually really good. That's yeah. brilliant. Because <laughs> Joe Exotic is a now. guy who makes the strangest decisions in real life and the only person who could match up that in an acting way is Nick Cage whose acting decisions are nearly as strange as Joe That's, That's already good. won so the rest of this is just pointless but nonetheless I feel this is actually like the kind of role he would take it's yeah. like Oh yeah definitely Yeah definitely it's also like a, if you were a director you'd be Cage. like 
I'm going to do this. I'm getting fucking Cage back, and he's going to he's going to do it. Yeah, this could this could be a comeback thing as well. You know, because he went bankrupt. He's all these crappy films. This is like meaty. He he, he could do. He could, yeah, he could do good things. Meaty. Yeah, yeah. It is. This it is. is this is the role Cage has been waiting his whole career for. <laughs> it's, it is meaty. It's very meaty. Johnny Smith. Well, I was thinking. I sort of was, was you know weighing over some of the big Hollywood heavyweights, and I I thought no. It's got to be. We need. We need someone specific, and so it came to me that Walton Goggins, if you know from the Hateful Eight, okay. playing Chris Mannix as the one who you don't know of the Hateful Eight, the other one, and because uh, he's got that you know Thank southern God drawl. You clarified. See, I knew this would come up. He's got that southern drawl. He's a bit weird, and in the Sons of Anarchy, the uh, TV mm. biker program. He played a transgender yes, prostitute yes. called... Now I'm on the same page. Uh, what was she called? Venus Van Damme. So I thought, nice. that's pretty good for Joe Exotic, who's a gay, gun-toting redneck with two husbands. Well, can yeah. I jump in ahead of you, Mark? Because normally yeah, 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 I yeah, don't mind go last. But now Johnny has basically half-revealed who my pick is. Yeah. Ooh. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, we know the man. We know the man can wear a mullet. We know (laughs) that well. Yeah. We know that he would easily be able to deal with all manner of tigers. I'm I'm pretty sure in one of the films, maybe that mental one he did with Dennis Rodman, he's actually like beating up a tiger. So (laughs) that would be no problem for the man. But and also Van Damme has a large gay following, apparently. Although he did massively insult the gay community in uh, about a couple of years ago, and I'm not going to go into his comments, but uh, yeah, but uh, apparently he did have a large gay following. So if we maybe if we took this back a couple of years, I think Van Damme would be a great choice. But anyway, I like yeah. that. So following on, uh, he's had some strong contenders. This was much oh, stronger than I answered last I'm week. surprised. Finishing with um, you, Mark. Apparently, yeah. What do you? What have you got? I'm just surprised that you haven't said this guy, um, Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Um, ah, he's, yeah. He's got the he's southern. He's got that drool. Um, he's perfect at doing that crazy, he's from Texas, crazy guy. I mean, if you if you were a director and you're like, okay, I'm going to make this film and we're going to do it seriously, he's got to be top of your list. Can anyone hear the James Bond theme? Sophie's watching uh, Thunderball with the door wide open and it's. Oh, uh, Roger Roger Moore could do it. No, he's <laughs> dead. He's dead. He's obviously dead, but he'd be like, I know my way around a pussy. Miss Anders, I didn't recognise you with the clothes on. Cool, so we're going to finish off as we normally do with a quiz, and um, I'm going to just steal this one directly off Sporkle. So, why not? Nice. We love Sporkle. Yeah, yeah. So, this is one I stumbled across on Sporkle the other day. It was called Name One of the First Three Movies That. Dot, dot, dot. Okay. So, the first person who shouts out or shouts out the answer, and bear in mind, this is on a savage delay. So I'll be <laughs> waiting for a few minutes. Uh, yeah, okay, hands up. Yeah, yeah, hands up's better. I like that. We'll do the hands up. And then if you get it right, <laughs> then great. If not, then it goes to the next person, next person, okay? <laughs> so let's start with a really nice, easy one. <laughs> Nick Cage! <laughs> Nick Cage! Don't, I did that last week and it, it happened. McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, for fuck. Name one of the first three <laughs> movies that starred Matthew McConaughey. Um, so, question number one. Name one of the first three movies that was made by Disney. Mark Stack. Fantasia. I was going to say that. Oh, now I've got to press play quiz Ooh. and then get the answers. <laughs> oh, come on. So, so much tension. 
Sorry, guys, I've got to wait four and a half minutes <laughs> to get. But you can end it. Uh, yes, Mark, you got it. Yeah. Fantasia was the third you just stuck in. You could have also had Snow Ooh. White and the Seven Dwarfs or Pinocchio. Am Pinocchio. 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 Yes, Pinocchio, right? Pinocchio. 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 Yeah, good centre off. <laughs> like Del Piero, <laughs> yeah. who also appears in Infernal Affairs for some reason. <laughs> Struggle. Exactly. Um, name one of the first three movies that grossed over $500 million domestically. Mark Stack again. Titanic. Titanic, yes. I was going to say that. <laughs> the other two were The Dark Knight and Avatar. I well, was thinking James Cameron, two out of three. I was going to say Avatar, but then I thought it might be a bit recent. You were getting you were getting booshed in the Brains Trust last week by Johnny and Harry. Yeah. You yeah, had yeah. a, a fine comeback. Um, Question number three. Name one of the first three movies that was directed by a black director and was nominated for Best Picture. Johnny Smith. Boys in the Hood. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Both wrong. Ollie, do you uh, want to give, uh, give a guess? Anything by Spike Lee. The three films are Precious, 12 uh, Years a Slave, and Selma. Wow. But they're all the same film. I thought no, Boys in the Hood. was. I'm, I'm getting this. I'm sure it was. So this must be. It definitely got what? nominated for something, I'm sure. But I maybe it wasn't was director. Best I John think it was Singles Best Picture. I might have been best director. I can't remember the yeah, name of the director. Yeah, might have been best John, John Singleton. Something. John Singleton. Because he, he died last year, I think. Ah, did he? Great film, this, though. This is yeah, only going to appeal to one person in the room, but um, question number four. Name one of the first three films that Hitchcock made after his move to Hollywood. Oh, Ollie went. Going to guess at Birds? The, the bird one? Uh, no, sadly not, but it was a Hitchcock film. After just, after Hollywood, but just birds, just birds. Birds. What's it called? Something about birds. The birds. The birds. The birds. <laughs> birds. Uh, sorry, Mark. Johnny did have his hand up first, but no, I go think on. Mark was first. I think you were first. Go, go, Mark. You go. I'm, I've got to go. Psycho. No. No. I'm gonna say Rebecca. Yes. Oh, nice. Was the first film he made after his move to Hollywood. When was Another it? What year was it? Foreign Correspondent. Literally never heard of it. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Johnny, have you heard of Foreign Correspondent? Are you familiar with that? Um, not, not a memorable one. I mean, he churned them out. He made so many films. Ollie, what's that your neck in there? Actually, what, how are we all doing with our drinking at the moment? This is a Glenn Keith. I need uh, Just finished my old speckled men. Are we having Expensive. one more? What's yours? Glenn Fittich. Expensive. Yours? Glenn Keith. Glenn Keith. <laughs> Um, oh, no. <laughs> it's actually very nice we're just going to keep going until Ollie gets one um, <laughs> name one of the first three films that featured Sean Connery as James Bond is it Doctor No? it's Doctor, Doctor No, no. Yeah. yeah everyone gets a point but everyone's I, a winner I, I definitely won but. that's probably because you did this week's pod with slightly less booze in your system than last week you can barely speak <laughs> nah. by the end of it <laughs> what are you on about stop saying that so we're going to be back next week where we're going to be watching Mud which is the film star Matthew McConaughey who's, who's reckon- Mark was that one it's of yours it's mine yeah, yeah it's mine yours. because um, it's good it's really good yeah I'm excited I'm looking forward to that so that's definitely one to check out in the meantime listeners we'd really appreciate it if you just follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Harry's been doing some good stuff on the old grams there, and Facebook, and if you could please leave us some reviews on iTunes, and subscribe, it's the best way to listen. We also are meant to be on Spotify, but there's some other scumbags called The Movie Men, who oh, started in 2019, whereas Ooh. we have been going to 2013, so 
our IP is being absolutely run roughshod over, and they'll be hearing from our lawyers. <laughs> our lawyers are basically Ted from Scrubs, but yeah, yeah. nonetheless, they'll be hearing. They'll be hearing. They'll be hearing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, please leave us some reviews. Five stars, obviously. Don't or just text. Or just text us if you know. Or us. just text. Or just let us know. Just let us know. <laughs> yeah. We just, we just do this for validation. To be honest, I just enjoy the uh, interaction with people that aren't my child and, and um, girlfriend. <laughs> so, as much as I love them, this is this is great. Excellent. Well, it's been a delight to have all you guys company, and uh, can't wait to see you next week. Cheers, fellas. On the Netflix description of that film, it included the words slow burn. Really? No. Anything but no. <laughs> That's so... They don't watch it. They should really be watching it, shouldn't it they? It's immense. a fast burn. It's got petrol on it. Yeah. It's burning yeah. so quick. It's kerosene. Yeah. Someone throwing some kerosene <laughs> on that shit. You don't even get... You don't even get time to, like, sort of settle in. You know, no. you know when you, like, press play and then you, like, might, <clears throat> you know, have a sip of your drink or whatever like you, you don't get a chance to do that it's like being drowned in cinema you're just you're like <laughs> <laughs> here's a storyline here's another one here's a storyline don't worry someone what happened over there yeah. that doesn't matter anymore forget that one here's another storyline someone took <laughs> someone took too long getting a tango ice blast and they've just missed the whole thing <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. Do you know what's amazing is that it had two sequels out in 2003 that is so interesting <laughs> Two and yeah. three came out in 2003. They had to tie up all those loose plot lines. This, this is some of the films directed by Andrew Lau. Now, something is going to be lost in translation here, but we've got The Ultimate Vampire, Sounds Rhythm good. of Destiny. Love it. You'll like this one. Raped by an Angel. These sound like... <laughs> these sound like... Um, all like new dodgy. human skin lanterns. Lovely. To live and die in Sim Shatsui. Sim... Sim Shatsui. Uh, the Mean Street Story. <laughs> the, these are Young and Dangerous, Young and Dangerous 2, Young and Dangerous 3, Young and Dangerous 4, Young and Dangerous 5, Young and Dangerous <laughs> The Prequel. Oh, we've got to Twice. watch them. Yeah, I think we should. Were they all Twice made in 2003? When were they? Yeah. Uh, actually, Prolific they were all, all six of those films were released between 96 and 98. Great. He's just made them all at once. That's they a great just, idea. Yeah. He's written them all and gone, gone, I'm just going to write them. We're going to make them all at once. Bullets of Love. When? Oh so my when? God. Oh my God. Sorry. The f- first film he did after Infernal Affairs was Wesley's Mysterious File. Lovely. 